to get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a mother seeks answers in the disappearance of her daughter. Is she the latest victim of the Long Island serial killer? We'll look back at our review of Netflix's Lost Girls. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, and yes, the love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. All right, so Kevin, this is obviously Thursday's Rewind show. Yep. What is coming up on Monday's brand new podcast? On Monday, we're going to be looking at another classic title. It's Suspect. It's season three, and it's called Suspect Five Shots in the Dark. Right, but that's a new episode of Crime It's a new episode. It's a new season of Suspect. It's uh, it's all 100% fresh. Yeah, and a good conversation, too. Okay, yeah. so what are we going to hear in today's Crime Writers on Classic Rewind? All right, well, we're going back to uh, March 23rd, 2020. I think it's one of the first weeks everybody was locked inside. We're talking about Lost Girls. Yes. This was the Netflix dramatization of Bob Colker's book. Mm-hmm. And the book, uh, that played very heavily in the way I think several of us examined and evaluated right. the, the movie. Because I loved the book. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so one of the things that you'll hear is my very bad voice. Yes, you used to be real scratchy back in the day. I was, you know. Because you had had your thyroid cancer surgery and you hadn't yet had your voice repaired. I know, so we're right in the middle of those two things there. That was back in your Demi Moore days. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so Kevin, remind me why we're listening to this particular classic Rewind episode. Uh, Well, I mean, come on, check the news. That's right. There has been an arrest in a Long Island serial killer case, a story we are following very closely here at Crime Writers on Central. Yeah, and it's funny. I don't want to say it's funny fun to look back but it's certainly interesting you know when you have a lot of these um you know unanswered questions and the way that things play out it's it's interesting to to you know look at that moment when we didn't know but we had sort of pieces and to find out what people thought were important details and now you can kind of go back and compare like that wasn't really that important or that was like that was a big clue right and one of the things i'm thinking of course about is all the wild speculation i've seen in other documentaries and in other <laughs> podcasts and so forth and some pretty well-known true crime people were wrong, wrong, wrong. But anyway, not Bob Kolker, though. He no. never speculated at all because he's a great, 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 great journalist. Yeah, all right. So how about we um, take a listen back at our review of Lost Girls? All right, let's listen to it. Who is this? Well, I don't know why you're asking me. She hasn't lived here since she's 12. So if she owes you money, you're barking up the wrong flagpole. Shannon's boyfriend called me last night asking if I knew where she was. I thought they were just in a fight. I've tried her five times, and each time it's gone straight to voicemail. Mom. He's never called me before. Netflix is out with a dramatized adaptation of the best-selling true crime book and one of my all-time favorite true crime books, Lost Girls. The film centers on Mary Gilbert, the mother of a sex worker who disappeared after being called to a house call on Long Island. At first, Mary encounters resistance from law enforcement seemingly uninterested in a missing Craigslist escort. This is my daughter, Shannon Maria Gilbert. There's one here for every day that she's missing, and I'm going to continue posting these until you either find her or die of paper cuts. 
Do not ignore me. Nobody is ignoring you, Mrs. Gilbert. I have a talent for holding grudges, and unless you help me, I'm gonna raise more hell than you can handle. And don't you ever fucking call my daughter a prostitute again! But the investigation takes a turn when the bodies of several missing women are discovered on the beaches of the South Shore. Mary teams up with other grieving families to keep the stories in the news, yet still struggles to convince detectives that her still-missing daughter is among the serial killer's victims, all while investigating several potential suspects from the surrounding community. How can you say Shannon's not connected? She was last seen three miles from the other girls. She was in her 20s just like them. She was small just like them. She was on Craigslist just like them. None of those other girls would have been found if it wasn't for her. It doesn't mean that we're going to stop looking for her, Mrs. Gilbert. Mom, Mom, what about Hackett? Even if he did call you, it's not evidence of guilt. Amy Ryan and Gabriel Byrne star, and the film is directed by Liz Garbus, who brought us the documentary Who Killed Garrett Phillips. The film attempts to tell the story of an unsolved crime while showing the humanity of its victims. We will be giving spoiler alerts for Lost Girls, so to stay spoiler-free, check out the time code listed in our show notes. Now, Toby, you read the book Lost Girls, correct, by Bob Kolker? Yes, it's awesome. It is awesome, and it is expansive and sweeping. But this film chooses to take a more intimate, close-up view of this one mother when she finds out her daughter goes missing. What do you think of that editorial choice in making this dramatized version of Lost Girls? Uh, It is not the choice that I would have made, and I don't think it's a very good one. I, I guess I have some thoughts about why maybe it ended up being that way, but it took what I thought... You know, it's a great book. It's very insightful. It's written with a lot of compassion for the victims. And it's really, I mean, for people who haven't read it or or don't know much about it, it it really follows, it's four or five young women who are sort of in the new world of, you know, sex work uh, where they use the internet. It's like internet facilitated sex work. So instead of having like, be, being on a street or, or whatever, being like a call girl, you put ads in, in Craigslist or, or Backpage or whatever. And, you know, it, it's about how these, these women, um, their lives, and then they disappear uh, and then are, are found dead. And, and so it's, it's really interesting. And, and I thought when you were reading the, the summary of this movie, where you're talking about honoring the victims or whatever, you know, I didn't get that at all from this. Like, there's almost nothing about the girls or the young women who are really the focus of the book. You know, it, it changes the focus from being on these young women who are trying to sort of make their way in this profession. And they all have these circumstances that, that make this, you know, one of their few avenues out. And that seems completely missing from this movie, which quite honestly, it it seems like kind of a paint by numbers. Yeah. And there's almost nothing from the book that makes it into the movie, except for a few details about the mother and this this group of other mothers and and relatives who meet to look into it. But a lot, even, even the sort of sketchy guys who hang out in that little beach town are really interesting characters and, and sort of have an air of the sinister about them in the book mm. that they really don't in the movie. 
And I, I just, I couldn't figure out why they didn't spend more time with that. I was super disappointed and I'm sort of at a loss as to why it ended up the way it did, given the source material. It's interesting that you should mention the location, Toby, and the people who live there. Because to me, you know, as somebody from Long Island, the fact that these crimes took place in and around the Gilgo Beach area is one of the most interesting things about them. Now, they don't get into this in the movie at all, and I don't know why, because it is one of the most interesting aspects of the book. But if you live on the south shore of Long Island, um, you know Gilgo Beach is this very odd community. Uh, it is not like the Hamptons where it's like multi-billionaires, you know, living in these like ritzy beachside houses. Mm-hmm. This is a community on the beach and there's nothing around it. It's sort of on this barrier island and it's pristine and beautiful. The state owns the land on which the houses sit. Mm. So what ends up happening is that you get these people who are not. I mean, there are some wealthy people there. It's a gated community. But there are also some, like, cops who live there, some, like, you know, like, like you know, like a plumber who's been in business his whole life could live there. It's not like a Tony, like, it's just a weird little cloistered space. And it ends up having, in real life, a couple of very viable suspects living right in this little place. They don't explore that at all in the film. And they also don't explore in the film another thing about the place this happened, which is that the police department in Suffolk County had a history of corruption and a lot of disinformation around this case not explored at all. Instead, we have this like Gabriel Byrne character who can't even like not do his Irish accent for four oh, seconds. Oh, no, but, the, but that's actually... The real life person was from Ireland. It was still weird, though. Yeah, that, that anyway. That was also not explained. Yes, was that wasn't weird. explained. Yes. Anyways, not explored. But Laura, I mean, one of the things I kept finding myself wondering is that another fictionalized true crime thing on Netflix that we saw a few months ago, one of the greatest things we ever reviewed, was Unbelievable. Yeah. Which was a multi-part series. How many parts was Unbelievable, Kevin? It was like six parts. Yeah, it was long. Might have been Eight. Longer than, yeah. Could have been. Um, based on an article. A tr- like a yeah. true crime article. This is a, a true crime book that is long. Yeah. And they condensed it to this very short film instead of giving it a multi-part treatment. And we often complain that Netflix things are too long. But do you think the length was right for this or that it should have been longer? Well, so I didn't read the book. I do remember when this case happened. I remember on the news when they found the bodies on the beach and, and it was out there pretty visible when when their bodies were first discovered. So I'm coming into it from a little bit of a different angle in terms of my like pre-existing knowledge because I didn't read that book. But I did feel like it was just sort of lacking in terms of like the storyline of the other victims. Like we we saw their families, you know, obviously we're following Mary and her family because um, she ends up being sort of like the leader of things. But I felt like, you know, how many times we watched, like you said, something on Netflix and it's like, okay, they totally should have just done like four episodes and been done with this. And it's like eight episodes and you're like struggling to get through it just because they're dragging it out. And here, I guess I don't understand. I mean, who knows what went into the decision making, but it seems like they had ample research already done on this case from this book where they very easily could have then used that to, you know, tell more of the stories. Because I was curious, like, who are these girls? How did they, you know, get into this work? How did they end up working there? And I had no idea about that community, Rebecca. When I saw the gated community, I'm thinking, oh, this is like, a wealthy community. And that also made me a little more suspicious about like what's going on there, like in this community that's high, you know, so 
I definitely think they could have made it longer. And, you know, there would have been plenty of information to keep people's interest. You know, what I just keep hearing in the previous review in this one is us complaining about the format versus the story and whether the format is right for the story whether this as opposed to whether this is a good story for the format think? is the story well i mean i don't, you don't think, know anything about the book I, uh, what do you think of this movie well i can tell you what i think about the movie but i'm not going to give it thumbs down because it's not a six-part series on yeah. netflix yeah you know what i'm saying no i, I don't get think it. I, I think that i don't think that that's a but fair did, did, criticism it, if you read the book i think you feel that, differently about this movie than well, i'm you sure there's the greater book. source material yeah but the selection was to go with the dramatized version of it of one tiny part of it <clears throat> Of, uh, sure, not of the sure, whole thing. of one tiny part of it, sure. But just because it wasn't, we're going to do a documentary about it, doesn't mean it's... Now, if you want to criticize whether it's a bad movie, That's what we're I will talk about give next. you that. Okay. But, I, but I'm not going to say, oh, well, it should have been this, so that that's the reason why it's bad. I think it's only fair game, though, because Bob Kolker's book is a modern classic. It is so, sure. so and good. And Bob didn't write this movie. No. So here's my question for you. Bob got to go to all the parties. Yeah. I thought... Amy Ryan gives a great performance in the film. I don't think no you can doubt. deny that she gives a great performance in everything. No she's doubt. Uh, you know, the, some of the filmmaking stuff was really strong. But I think this movie felt like an after-school special. It didn't feel like something that brought me anywhere in particular other than sort of exploring like the fight of a mother in a way that we've seen in a million other dramatized versions of stories like this, where my child was wronged and nobody believes me. My child's a victim and nobody believes me. I'm a victim and nobody believes me. Kevin, are you going to make a case that I'm wrong? Do you think this was a better movie than I think it was? I probably think it's a little better than you think. Okay. I don't think you think this is a good movie at all. Um, I, I mean, I think it does have its problems. So some of the, the scenes and some of the characters feel a little two-dimensional. Like, I'm thinking of that scene in the empty diner where all the families get together and everybody seems like there's one type. There's a, you know... An archetype, yeah. Maybe we should go around. I'm Missy. I drove in from Connecticut for my sister, Maureen. It's so good to finally meet all of you in person. Uh, Lorraine, my, uh, my daughter's Megan. I sold my TV to be here from Maine. So I have the cash to stay here until the vigil. Sorry I'm late, y'all. We were just going around introducing ourselves, where we're from, who we've lost. Uh, okay. Kim, North Carolina. Um, I like Rocky Road, ice cream, and long walks on the beach. And my sister was Amber. You know, and uh, again, I'm the tough old again, broad. I, I didn't read the book. I know you guys did. I don't know if that scene actually occurred. And... Um, you know, you give dramatic license in a docudrama like this for those kinds of scenes. But I just kind of felt it, it just seemed a little too convenient mm. and that everybody was just sort of a different color in the crayon box. Mm. You get one of everybody in this salad of, of sanguineness. Uh, and then, you know, the sister is like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to turn tricks, too, because it's all my life is. It just felt like uh, were, were these people in real life, because then you can say. Well, okay, sure, then I guess that makes sense, but some of it seems, you know, it's kind of the, if it didn't happen, you wouldn't believe it kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the sister ends up killing the mother later. Yeah. I'm not talking about, Oh, sorry. The, I'm not the talking about Mari's here. daughter. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about okay. the sister, one of the victims. Yeah. Remember, she storms yeah. out of the motel. Yeah, yeah, never like mind. she's going to go, yeah. Yeah, and she does go. And like in, in the book, that, that is an issue, is that she does go back. Yeah. Then that's not a bad way of, sh of telling that note yeah. to get it in. 
But uh, I think probably trying to do too much, you know, with the story. Well, I want to talk about the crime and the way that it's portrayed in the movie, because uh, this is an it's a very interesting crime story. And so far is that the reason that there is a Long Island serial killer story is because there are all these bodies. Right. There isn't necessarily agreement that they were all killed by the same person. That they, I mean, there's, there's some disagreement on that. Some people think that, like, Joel Rifkin, the convicted serial killer, may have been responsible for some of these murders. Uh, there's just disagreement about whether or not there even is a serial killer, and that's in large part because of the marginalization of the victims. But, Toby, one of the things that I'm curious about is that Shannon, who is the victim that they choose to sort of focus on in this movie, there is stuff that is known about what happened to her that night insofar as that she did have like a series of phone calls with her driver and stuff. Is it clear to you in the film that she was the victim of a crime or do they not? I mean, I felt like they didn't really flesh out enough, like we weren't present in that scene enough to really kind of get an understanding of what could have happened to her. Yeah, I mean, that was of the many problems with this movie. One of them is, is that if that's going to be the central crime that's going to be investigated and that's why she died, you get little pieces of it, but it doesn't make much of a picture. And again, I don't quite get it because the source material makes for sort of this very chaotic, disturbing scene in this guy's house And they kind of hint at it, but they don't really get to it. So you don't really know. I mean, it just seems like she runs out of his house, runs down the street, runs into the bushes, and that's it. And that's not really what had happened. Uh, So again, I don't know why they they simplified it. Because if the thing is to make this into a, you won't tell me what happened to my daughter, you know, take this seriously type of thing... You know, if if that's a choice, like, why wouldn't you make the circumstances of her disappearance be as tangible as possible mm. instead of even the way you get it is from a few different, you know, little snippets of uh, the driver talking. And then there's a little bit of the opening clip of her running with a car chasing her, it looks like, for some reason. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just it, it, it was kind of vague. Hmm. You know, you, you didn't have to call this movie Lost Girls. I mean, you didn't have to associate it with that book. It, it seemed like kind of a paint by numbers thing. And you threw in a few names and a couple of situations. But otherwise, it doesn't you didn't have to use Lost Girls to come up with this movie. Hmm. I think it just in Hollywood and crime. Yeah, <laughs> Laura. Um, it from 50 nameless places. Laura, there is sort of a lack of resolution in the story. I mean, it's inherent in the real life story and that it is still an unsolved case. But in this story, as Toby said, we don't really explore the doc- Dr. Hackett stuff. We don't really explore the other neighbors fully. We don't really explore, you know, the stories of the other girls. Do you find that lack of resolution of any of the threads dissatisfying? Yes. Um, I was frustrated because I felt like... I mean, this is a horrible crime. You watch all these people band together. I was kind of hoping at the end that I would at least, you know, have that sort of epilogue that's like, this is where the case is. These are who the suspects are or something. But it was just sort of the epilogue was like the super depressing. By the way, she got killed by her other daughter who's schizophrenic and, you know, end of story. So I was frustrated. um, But I mean, that is sort of the nature of some of these cases, you know, that, you know, they're hard to investigate and they're hard to, you know, I went online today because I was curious again, I was like, what is going on with this case? Is there any sort of, you know, direction that that they didn't sort of talk about? You know, I just sort of hoped at the end that I would have some sort of a sense of, you know, where things were going. But I just kind of felt like, uh, sounds like it's kind of just 
on hold for now. Um, so that was that was a little bit frustrating because I, I did feel after, you know, all the activism on the part of the families to actually get these cases taken seriously, it would have been nice to see something come from that. You know, I was not 100% comfortable with how they handled the suspect, Dr. Dr. Hackett, Hackett, because Liz Garber, who's the director, did sort of something similar in Who Killed Garrett Phillips, Mm -hmm. too, where, remember, they had that cop? Yeah. And that, where they kind of just race right up to the edge of calling somebody else a killer, but just kind of like run there, but don't get all the way there. But kind of leave you wondering, like not far enough to say, you've libeled me and you've slandered me and you've made an accusation against me. But but to start like getting you close there and not resolving it? Well, not backing it up. Because here's the thing. I know we're trying to just review the movie on its merits. Bob Colker backs it up. The book yeah. makes a very compelling. There's more than one suspect in this case. And they are all very compelling suspects for very different reasons. Like, right, Toby? Like, there are two. I remember there being, like, two very strong suspects. Bob Culker's reporting backs it up. So would this have been a better movie if you didn't read the book? I think And then this, wonder about the book I for I think this would have hours? been a better movie if it were, if it were given. So, because, like, I hadn't read the Unbelievable article for years. Mm-hmm. And that dramatization was great because they gave all of the pieces of the reporting, the service that they needed dramatically to sort of understand. And you sort of had the sense, even if you hadn't read the article, like you understood why the police did this, why this person was in the frame and this and that. And this didn't do it the same service that the real life journalism did. And that's, and I don't think that you don't have to read the book. What The comment you just made is an illustration that she went up to the line and, you know, put mm-hmm. him in the frame. That's an illustration that, it's just not a it's not a well made thing. You don't have to have not read the book or not to know that. You just knew it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just even sticking with that, if he's like the big suspect, the big showdown with him lasts about thirty seconds. Yeah, you know, you're building up to this big moment where the mother of the victim and the person she thinks is probably the perpetrator, like the big showdown, and it's like thirty seconds, and he puts his hand on, on her shoulder, which is kind of creepy. But that's it. Yeah. I mean, her daughter was in his house. He admits that. Again, like, I hate to keep going back to the book. There's so much about him that is so sketchy in the book that would have been so easy to just put into this movie. Yep. And they just don't do it. Yeah. They don't do it. I don't understand why. Yeah. Strange choices. All right. Well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know if they haven't yet. Should they check out Lost Girls on Netflix? This is a dramatic film adapted from Bob Culker's all-time great true crime book, which if you have not read, I cannot recommend highly enough and neither can Toby. Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down for Lost Girls. Well, you know, so I didn't read the book. Uh, So I went into this blind. I knew a little bit about the case from just watching general like cable news when when the bodies were discovered. So I actually liked it. I mean, there was things that were frustrating to me about the, you know, the ending and some of the things that happened throughout. But overall, I mean, it was like what? It was like an hour and a half long. So it was it was definitely uh, something that you know, I watched and I was like, okay, yeah, there's some stuff that I I did want to know some additional information. I think if I had read the book, it sounds like from the discussion of Rebecca and Toby, I would have not liked this, but I I actually liked it. Toby Ball, what about you? Uh, I didn't like it at all. I think even if I had not read the book, it just seemed kind of run of the mill. So yeah, but just read the book. (laughs) You know, the book is so good. You can listen to, you can listen to, we had a great discussion about it on uh, the deep dive. So you can listen to that too. It's not the worst thing ever made, but it's just a huge missed opportunity. 
And, you know, I, I it just kind of seems like sort of dime a dozen. Kevin Flynn. I'm, I'm with Laura. I'm a, th- a thumbs up. Not a big thumbs up, but I think that yeah, I can't sit here and say I was asked to review chicken and I'm going to say it's too bad it wasn't steak. Yeah. You know, we were asked to review a, a movie. And so I'm not bogged down by the book. And yeah, maybe it would have been better served in a different format. But this is what we have. This is the movie we deserve. Mm. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you can't deny that uh, Amy Ryan did not give a fantastic performance. She always does. And it's difficult when the case is unsolved in real life. It means you can't solve it on the screen either. So it has some weaknesses. But overall, I think if you're home and you don't have anything to do, I think it's okay to watch. Yeah, I really hate to do this because I just I don't want Bob Colker to know I said it because I love him so much. But anyway, uh, I have to give this a thumbs down. I didn't particularly enjoy watching it. It doesn't even live up to the premise of the title. It's called Lost Girls, and it focuses on, you know, one of the victims instead of the totality of the victims. This is, let's face it, one of the most interesting unsolved serial killing cases in America. And the choice to just take it to a point where we're only telling it through one lens was a misstep. And I also don't think it was done well. I'm not just saying that because I read the book. I just, it felt a little after school, especially to me. That's just how I felt the whole time I was watching it. And there were just some, you know, very sloppy details. You know, we have New Yorkers saying it was in Long Island. Nobody says that. It was on Long Island. I know you think I'm being picky, Kevin, but that is a very easy thing that anybody in the writer's room could have just corrected in the script. And that was one of many things like that that just sort of stuck out to me. Uh, And I'll just say it again. Read or listen to Bob Colker's Lost Girls. It is one of the greatest modern true crime books written. It is fantastic. You'll learn so much. You'll feel so much empathy for all the victims. And you'll be drawn into an unsolved case that has a couple of really fascinating suspects. This movie does not do it justice, so I cannot give it a thumbs up. So for me, Lost Girls is a thumbs down. So that was a fun rewind to listen to, Kevin. That was a really interesting conversation. It was. It yeah. definitely was. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm i glad we had a chance to think about that one again. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe some of us will go back and watch it. Yeah, and I'm really glad that uh, your voice is sounding a little bit more healthy these days. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So on Monday, we'll be back, and we're going to be talking about Suspect, Five Shots in the Dark. Season three. Season three, yes. Very exciting. So as always, this show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where our shows are never as good as the book was. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Is in, in crime, crime media. media.